FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motorsport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Oh, you gonna turn me on eventually? Yeah. There was a ten thousand dollar purse, and they paid back to seventh. But I started doing the math on who was gonna be there, and it wasn't adding up for me. Am I drunk? Am I high? I think kitchen has the highest ceiling. Popping and farting yeah. and sucking. I was having pep talks with the bike. Did you just let it happen? Did you do the app? <laughs> Did you do any of that advice, Levi? I'm gonna be completely honest with you. No. Honestly, we're folding Pulp Mix Fantasy anyways, right? It's getting roosted and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Dunge, let's go. I don't even like kids. We would go and we'd sign up for like nine classes, <laughs> and I'd go and I'd race the first motos, and he would be like, "Okay, we're going home." I was not well liked. Felt like I was gonna get shot. Maybe I was an <laughs> asshole. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I don't want to be mean to you, Steve. I don't see how this show could help me. I'm sorry. Rev the shit out of that thing. Who's got more losses, uh, Tomac or Barsha at this thing? I bet you Barsha does, right? Is, are you trying to make your argument based off of who has more losses? I, I don't get where this is going. No, like like he just deserves it, man. He deserves to get that win. Yeah, 100%. Rear shock's too low. I think we have a better team than Australia. Tim Ritchie going to screw over America again. Aussie Nick said put Christian Craig on a 2 DF. Listen, you don't think RJ on his day could go 1-1. That's why that's where the rosary comes in. It's he looks presentable. like a true professional. You think you're getting into that post-race video with the greasy uh, uh, bandana and the greasy ponytail and look? Like, you're not getting in there. Your trajectory right now is, is just like, you're just like Apple or Google. Yeah, I'm going to have to wash my back. I'm already taking measurements to see if I can raise my ceilings. She seems like a nice woman, but please send me that. We beat James Stewart. <laughs> yeah, but you can't see it, can you? Yeah, you can. She made me do this. Yar says it looks like a blind kid cut it with safety scissors. <laughs> but it was more like, an, oh, wow, I didn't think it was that bad. Listen, if anybody's going to give me shit about my hair, it's Mr. Side. I just got a text. It does look a little rough. Come on, KTM. When people ask me why I closed my team, I didn't want to become BBMX and just keep hosing people. There's been nothing wrong with Mad TV, people. It's not the Mad TV app. It's your internet. Rasher should reach out to Dre. Pluck, 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 pluck. Right? Yo, it's that time again. This is the absolute, positively number one moto wrap-up show of the number one moto show, Pulp MX. I'm your host, Darkside, and I'm brought to you tonight by Michelin Bicycle Tires. Uh, just to let everybody know, it's listening. I've been pretty sick since getting back from Denver, so I probably might sound a little congested. Might cough a little bit. I might have a cough drop in my mouth to try to help with that. Hopefully, you guys can get through this thing. But tonight, my first guest is back again. He is the owner of Seal Savers, and he's brought to you by Seal Savers because it just makes sense. Mason Mill. What's up, Mason? Hey, Darkside. I just am so grateful that you will have me back on after uh, 
after your trajectory is just through the roof right now. I'm telling you, we are going to get to that. Uh, yeah, just can't wait for that part of the wrap-up show. <laughs> but next up, he's a new guest. He's a Liat Gear rep in Minnesota and Iowa and a longtime Pulp listener. Tonight he's brought to you by Guts Racing, Mr. Jason Place. What's up, Jason? Not much, man. Just, uh, yeah, excited to be uh, part of the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just grabbing on your ankles, uh, hoping you can drag <laughs> me to the top. Man. Dragging you to the top. So if you're a longtime Pulp listener, what took you so long to reach out to do the wrap-up, man? Uh, you know, um, I don't know, just busy schedule. Yeah. Um, tech technology is not always my friend. Okay. So, uh, yeah, tend to, tend to struggle with uh, being in the right place, the right time, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, uh, it's always kind of been something that's been in my mind. Um, I always wanted to do it. So. Well, that's cool, man. Liat is a, uh, sponsor of the re-raceables pod, if I'm not mistaken. So part yep. of the pulp family. Yep. yep. All right. Well, this week's show was one that I really enjoyed as always good guests, Lots of fun topics. It's always the case. But in my opinion, like I also got to have a little bit of fun busting these balls. Uh, and we'll get to all that in a bit. But this week is show 508 with Vitals, Mich- uh, Michael, call him Michelle, Michael Lindsay in the studio. And on the phone, the GOAT, Ricky Carmichael, Levi Kitchen, the chef, with his first moto win. And, of course, Adam C. and Cirillo. Uh, Jason, I'm going to let you go first, man. Just overall thoughts on episode 508. Yeah, you know, it was it was a good show. Um, I kind of think we're, for me anyway, still kind of coming down after show 500. I don't think that show will ever be able to be topped. I agree. Um, so, and, uh, you know, last week's show with the ending taps, that was that was awesome. So, um, but yeah, overall, a good show. Um, big fan of Michael Lindsay. So, um, you know, and uh, you can't go wrong usually with uh, Ricky Carmichael and Levi Kitchen and, and even AC. So, um, yeah, overall, I think it was a good show. Anything anything stand out that you were like really impressed with or just really entertained by, or was there any moments of the show that was just like, all right, this was really good? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything that really stands out that's like, oh my god, you guys have to listen to this part of it. Yeah. Um, I just think overall it was just a just a good, you know, mid motocross season show. Uh, a lot of info. Um, like I said, Michael Lindsay's always entertaining for me. Um, I, I'm definitely a fan of his and and always. Uh, interested in what he has to say so yeah i just say you know just a good overall show yeah the uh the michael Lindsay comment is is a debatable one sometimes but listeners i really like him and i'm gonna get we're gonna talk about michael in just a minute let's get to mason uh on your thoughts man overall the same questions uh we can start the debate uh, i think michael is one of the smartest people in the pitch however i'm not crazy about him on the show i thought the guests that were on were, were really really good uh, I really enjoyed the Steve Cirillo interview. I just thought that it was, you know, two buddies kind of catching up and talking. I really enjoyed that. Ricky was great. Levi was great. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of Michael. I'm just not crazy about him on the Pulp Show. Okay, so that's what I want to get to. So there are a lot of people that do not like Michael, and he and I have talked about this. And then, you know, like Jason said, he likes him. And I, and I really like him. So I guess I want to go to you first then, Mason. What is it about Lindsay that you don't like on the Pulp Show? I want to see if it's what I, the same as what I usually hear. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. Um, I think that it's, he always has something to say. He, I just feel like he interrupts the guests a lot. I feel like he interrupts Steve. He always, no matter what it is, has something to say about it. And I just have a hard time with that because not everything has to be answered by him. And I feel like he does that. Okay. Um, and I think that's just, he, he's a smart guy. He knows a lot. And I think he just wants that to come through. So, 
um, that's my take on it anyway. Okay. I, I haven't honestly noticed that. Um, now I might, if that's the case. Thanks a lot. But I do, what I hear, normally hear, Jason, is people say like, oh yeah, he, he just seems like conceited or like, I think what it comes down to is he is very intelligent when it comes to the technical and mechanical side of the racing and he gets pretty deep into it. And I think people, for some reason that rubs people the wrong way, uh, Jason, but I don't know, man. And generally like with the technical stuff of the setup and all that, I just don't care that much. But like this week, I thought he asked a lot of really good questions, uh, which actually I was just texting him about that a little while ago. We're going to get to some of those, but what do you think about what Mason said, Jason? Yeah, I guess I can see Mason's point a little bit. Um, you know, he does sometimes tend to be Mr. Know-it-all. Um, but, you know, when you, when you start talking about bike setup and, you know, the techie stuff, um, I, as a person, I love that stuff as a rider, you know, um, always, uh, always been, uh, you know, a big fan of mechanics and, yeah. and all that stuff. So um, I, you can't, you can't put enough technical stuff on that show for me. I mean, I, I absolutely dig that part of it. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, yeah I def, I definitely see Mason's point. I see your point. You know, if you're not into that, you, you know, you're more into, uh, the jokes and entertainment stories, and yeah. yeah, the stories and that kind of stuff. But for me, I mean, I could sit and listen to Kiefer or Michael Lindsay. Like if you put me in a room with those guys for five hours, I would be the happiest person on the face of the planet. Um, I would absolutely love any minute of it. Oh, well, there you go, Steve. You might, uh, you might have another guest to uh, get in studio, man. I think he <laughs> sounds like, sounds like Jason's in. Um, It'd be a blast. <laughs> yeah. A uh, topic that was going on during the general discussion on the guy that got his overall this weekend at Thunder Valley, Ken Roxon. I think we all had questions. Most of us, fans, media, et cetera, had questions about how he would do when the environment, the, whether it be temperature, uh, you know, as the season went on, how he was going to do physically and mentally. Let's listen to a little bit of what they had to say. Just when you want to count Kenny Roxon out, just when you want to say, like, oh, it hanged down and he went backwards, and just when you want to say, ah, oh, Kenny, your, your social media posts and – the fucking guy does it again. Like, he he just – great ride, fantastic battle with Eli in the second moto, takes the overall – you know, we did want to see when things got hot. Well, it was hot at Lakewood, and we were at altitude, and he was as strong as can be, man. Like, Kenny rocks him. He was impressive, especially, like, talking to Eli afterwards is how hard Eli was trying because he yeah. thought he needed him for the win. Kenny was resilient where it just seems like – I don't know, we've just – last year, too, we've seen him. It's just amazing to finally watch him take on – that kind of a charge out of somebody and, yep. and bring it back to him. No, I think for anybody that had question marks, I mean, yes, we still have. We still nine, have some. Nine, yeah, we still have nine <laughs> rounds to go. We still got some humidity. We yeah. still got some rounds. And if you kind of have like a checkbox of things he's got yep. to do to be yep. in for the championship, yep. we've we've clicked one off. He, he made it through there. Very competitive. He fought like hell for that position. Yeah. And then with Sexton's tip over, there's your overall, Kenny. Like yep. that's the karma that he gets for fighting so hard, man. I guess Roxon's in this thing i guess his instagram stuff was 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 right i think if you had made a poll right when tomac was catching him is tomac gonna get by kenny 98 percent of us that maybe only the team honda guys and people from germany would have said no i'm with you i thought you know when 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 eli is on one of those tears and he's making up that time when you catch your competitor from behind like that i mean clearly you're faster but uh, when when you're trying to pass a guy like ken rocks and jason anderson chase x and it's not easy it's not an easy task especially if they got you know 
if, if, if they're in shape and they're not rolling over. And that was a hell of a, a, of a guard and a hell of defense. Felt like he was on the ropes. He really, really was. Now, that, that's the way it looked to me. I think it was a statement race, at least for the short term uh-huh. for Kenny. And I think for him mentally, that was a really good step for a championship perspective. We have some really good conversations, some in-depth conversations, and there's still a part of him that I don't have figured out. There's still a part of him that pulls stuff out like that when you when you don't expect him to. You know, he's just an athlete. Like, mm-hmm. he just figures it out. All right, Jason, I'm going to go to you first on this one. A lot of stuff in there. Um, I, I, th- I think Steve's pretty close to being accurate that he said 98% of the people probably thought Eli would have got him. Uh, I, I think it's probably closer to 94%, Steve, but we'll go with whatever. Um, were you, Jason, were you a guy that kind of, same thing, maybe had some doubts about Kenny or were you all on board? And as RC said, he, he said this was a statement race. Do you agree with that? Do you think they were pretty much on point with their over overview of Kenny this weekend? Yeah, I think they were, you know, when it comes to Kenny, um, I'm a huge Ken Roxon fan, um, you know, have been for a long time. Um, but, but I agree with them. I, I, there's still a part of him that I think is just a mystery. Yeah. Um, but I gotta be honest with you, um, watching that race this weekend, um, y- you know, when he let Sexton by, I'm watching it with a buddy of mine and he's like, yep, there he goes. He rolls over, he lets him go by. And I never expected to see him even try to fight off Tomac. Um, I just never expected that. I, I agree with you. And I told him in the press conference, you know, Hey, we, you know, some of us were doubting you, but I think you proved a point. And as Steve kind of said, he told everybody in the interviews that, you know, he, he told me, he said, don't doubt, never doubt me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I won't again. <laughs> uh, Mason, how about you, man? Were you as impressed as Michael Lindsay and the guys were? And uh, you know, especially is how hard Eli pushed to try to catch him that, the 94 was able to keep him keep him um, at bay. And, you know, again, let's even go back to what I think Steve said. He made that Instagram post earlier this year, right, where it was like, you know, F you if you're doubting me and blah, blah, blah. And, then like, I told Weeds, like, last year, you know, he was like, oh, it is what it is, you know. I'm just doing the best I can. Like, his, at least outwardly, social media, et cetera, his, it's like a total shift in what he's trying to portray. And part of me was kind of like, all right, this is just like a show. Like, he can't really believe, like, last year, it is what it is, and this year, F you if you think it's, it is what it is. But I, I, it seems like a different Kenny. Are you on board with what the guys were talking about Monday night? Yeah, I think Kenny's been spectacular. I thought that fight was incredible. However, yeah. he did get a couple gifts with Chase going down and sure. Eli's breaks going out. I think because um, Eli said that he thought he had to get Kenny for the overall. Yep. Um, obviously, if Eli knows Chase is going to go down, he's going to keep pushing for that. Um, I thought Kenny got a couple gifts, but I thought he rode incredible to fight off Eli as long as he did. Um, I definitely think he's kind of back to that person he used to be a couple years back. He's got a ton of fight in him, and I, I love it. I'm all here for it. Yeah, I am too. I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, last year, even – even with those gifts, I think Kenny maybe had faded back, would have faded back a little bit farther, and maybe then he doesn't get the overall, right? Probably Eli gets him anyway. So, yeah, I think it's a different guy. It's pretty interesting. So, I do agree with Steve. I think uh, it's a big surprise. And the karma for fighting, I don't know if karma was the right word, but the the reward for continuing to fight through and fight hard was the overall. So, yeah, I think that's it's pretty cool, man. I hope Kenny, I, keep, I hope he keeps proving us wrong. I hope as it gets hotter and more humid, it doesn't revert but um yeah good topic and during the x-brand tear-offs moser asked the question 
you know, let's say if Eli Shock didn't fade, does he beat Ken? And Steve said, no, I think at that point he already had it. Not sure I agree with that. Uh, Mason, what do you think? Because I think Eli Eli was working it and getting, you know, and just all of a sudden he faded back. And I didn't realize at the time it was breaks. I thought something had happened, but I think Eli does get him. But do you agree with Steve or no? No, I disagree. I agree with you. I think Eli would have gotten him. Uh, I don't think Kenny would have made it easy, obviously. I think right. he had a, a little bit more fight in him, but I do think ultimately Eli would have got around him, especially there in Colorado. Um, I think he would have got around him at some point. Yeah, I do too. Jason, what do you think? Um, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Um, cause well, I don't know like, either, Jason. I'm just you got to make no, a I, pick, boy. I, I know, but, I, <laughs> man, I'm indecisive. I'm sorry. Um, waffle, waffle, no, waffle. The, you know, there was a point where um, – where, you know, Kenny kind of stood Eli up and yeah. I can't remember exactly where it was, was on the track, but that was kind of the point to me where it was like Tomac said, okay, enough, you know, uh, just, yeah. I, I'm not willing to do this. Um, and I don't know if that was before the break fade after the break fade, you know, when that actually happened, but, um, yeah, it seemed to me like, you know, if, if it wasn't for that break fade, I mean, I think Eli had him. I really do. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to say I agree with you. And okay. uh, I, like I think Eli would have gotten him. I like it. We, we all agree that Steve Mathis was wrong. All right. Um, we, we already talked about. Do what? Go team. Go team. <laughs> <laughs> team. Team. Uh, what are we going to call this team? Team. We can't call it team dark side. That's not fair to you two. So what are we calling this team? Team anti-Steve. Ugh. Anti-Steve. Yeah, that works. Uh, all right. We already talked about Michael Lindsay a little bit, but I want to talk. They had, they had a little t- discussion towards the end of the show about vital MX and everything going on over there, how things are handled, you know, um, ping kind of leaving. Cause he felt he was being censored. Uh, star racing, being mad at, at Michael for maybe posting some pictures and talking about some things they didn't want to talk about. And then having to deal with moderating the forum and how politics get involved, all that stuff. Um, I don't know if any of you guys really follow vital a lot. Like I don't get on there very often because used to when I would, it was a lot of hate on me and I just didn't feel like looking at that. Um, but I would think uh, Jason that that's not a, like a job that I think very many people would want having like just looking at social media and how people are so negative and so keyboard warriors and so arguing all the damn time, like to have to moderate a forum like that. And then on top of that, be worried that a team like star or some of the teams going to be mad because you're literally doing your job as a media guy, discovering things, talking about it. Like that doesn't seem like a fun job. Uh, I think it's probably a thankless job that Michael has to do. Uh, and I honestly, I, I'm kind of glad that he's doing it. I think he's doing it the best he can and handling it pretty well, but not a job I would want. No, I agree with you. I think I would rather be a team owner, honestly, even, <laughs> yeah. even after, even sure. after hearing him cry about being a team owner, but man, I don't know how you, I, m- me personally, I can't stand message boards. Um, okay. I, you know, I, it, there's just nobody holds anything back anymore. It's right. like, you wouldn't say that if you were, you know, if you were in person or whatever. So why do you put that stuff online? So I, I'm not a fan of that to be honest with you. I don't know how he does it. Um, cause I couldn't, I couldn't be that moderator. I'd be in nope. a padded room somewhere <laughs> if I had to deal with that all day, every day. Absolutely. Hey, I want to talk about guts racing guys. I don't know how much either one of you get to ride, but uh, if you're looking for a seat cover, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company. Uh, Guts is Greg's Ultra Trick Seats, I believe. That's pretty cool. I always hear that in the in the commercial for Mathis. 
offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point in their career, from Steve Lance and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and yours truly, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Uh, Jason, do you, do you? I know you said you race and you, you ride a little bit, and uh, obviously a rep for Liat. But um, let's talk. Let's get a little of your background real quick. You told me you've been listening to Mathis and Pulp for as long as you can remember. What does that mean? Like, yeah. like when did you start? Uh, to tell you the truth, I can't give you an exact date or even year. Um, you know, it all started with me back on a. You know, being from Minnesota, a big thing for us is heading south in the wintertime. You know, we head to Texas, we head to Oklahoma, yeah. Florida, um, and go riding. And it was on a Texas trip that a buddy of mine um, put pulp on. And I was, you know, got into it. At the time, I was a, a truck driver, so I spent all day driving. And, uh, yeah, just totally got into it. You know, anything involving dirt bikes, you know, dirt bikes are my life. So, um, you know, anything involving dirt bikes was cool with me. So just got into it then. And, and yeah, now I... The, as a as a gear rep um i spend just as much time on the road as i did as a truck driver and um yeah just you know trying to fill the hours on the road so um you know i, I listen to pulp i listen to your show uh wrap-up show you know anything motor related yeah um it's on my playlist so oh that's really cool so um besides michael Lindsay, you had a favorite co-host or uh maybe a favorite guest all time not yeah i know you already said 500 was the the bar for you show wise, but what about just individual guests or co-host? Yeah, I think just uh favorite co-host of all time has to be Kiefer to tell you the truth. Okay. Um, Pretty common. You know, like I said, I, yeah, I do. I do totally eat up and I listen to Kiefer's podcast <laughs> too. Um, I do eat up all the tech stuff, but also just the entertainment value there. I mean, you just, you can't beat it. Absolutely. All right, Mason. So the first guest of the night was Ricky Carmichael. The goat is back. I, Love him on the show. Like I was not a huge Ricky fan throughout the race, his racing years. Like I was always a James guy, uh, getting to know him just a little bit. I really like him. I really enjoy him on pulp. Like they, once they squash their beef, his content is so good. I feel like, like, I, like it's the best Ricky I've ever heard was when, is when he's on the pulp show. I think it's better than his commentating. It's better than his, you know, podium speeches, interviews. He's just, kind of talks about racing and you can tell how much he loves it. And I, I just think he's, it's one of the best things that's happened to pulp in the last few years is Ricky being squashing the beef and being a part of the show again. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm super excited that Ricky's a part of it again. I was never an RC fan. I was a big McGrath fan and oh, transitioned yeah, right too. into <laughs> Stu and Reed. Yep. So I, I kind of always dodged Ricky's uh, fandom there. Um, and then I wasn't crazy about his commenting until more recently, but I think he's done a phenomenal job of improving there. I think coming on pulp has really helped uh, me become a big fan of him. I was actually yep. just telling my dad uh, last night or the night before, like, man, I'm, I'm becoming a big Ricky fan. I just think he's really well-spoken down to earth and has uh, really insightful things to say. So I'm, I'm really excited that he's been around and that they've, um, squash the beef, as they say. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about his commentating because that's actually my next question. I have not had a chance to watch Lakewood back. I uh, just haven't had time. Try to do it tomorrow night. Uh, so, since I'm, Mason, I'll go to you first. Was it how was he in the booth with Weege? Because he was pretty honest. You know, Steve said how how good of a job he did, and he repeated what Weege had said about like really not having to 
walk him through the steps because he's been doing it for so long. But RC was like, no, no, no. You know, we just did have to babysit me a little bit. And I thought that was cool. Like he didn't no ego, man. He's pretty honest. Even if it wasn't true, he was being like, ah, no, I wasn't perfect. And I dug that because that was part of why I didn't like him when he was racing is like, he seemed just like his attitude just wasn't, it didn't gel with me. Like it seemed like he made excuses or was really pissy when things didn't go right. And now he's kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't doing a good job or whatever, you know, we just had to help me out. And, but I want to know what you thought of his analysis this weekend and what you thought of, you know, him kind of correcting Steve and saying, Hey, no man, I, I need a little bit of help. Um, I thought he was great over the weekend watching the broadcast. Um, it's just so natural to him now. And we just, we just great. I think we just kind of the bar at this point, um, especially for the nationals. And I think the humbleness of Ricky has been really cool to see. Um, whether it's true or not that we'd really had to help him through a couple spots. I don't know that I buy that. Um, it just felt like just a, a complete gel between the two of them. It felt like they've been doing it for years. Absolutely. Uh, so Jason, how would you, how do you feel about us commentating this weekend in the booth with Weege, the master? Um, well, I'm going to have to jump on the disagree side. Okay. Um, okay. I like this. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of Ricky. Um, you know, I, I love it when he's on the pulp show, but man, when I see that, uh, that he's set up to be, uh, the, the color analyst, um, man, it bugs me. And <laughs> You know, it's not, it's not necessarily him. And I hate to sound like the grammar police, but um, it's <laughs> no, just like, man, sometimes the guy sounds like he's six years old. And, um, you know, I, I know he, he didn't go to school to be that. He's not supposed to be, you know, Mr. Perfect when it comes to speech and all that. Um, you know, he raced dirt bikes and he did it pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to give him a little bit of space there. But these days, I mean, he does it a ton. He's, you know, he's a professional analyst. That's what he does. Um, and I don't know if there's any way to fix that. It just, sometimes it's just, man, I want to reach through the, <laughs> through the TV and go, dude, you wanted to say well there, not good. Or you yeah, wanted to say yeah. good, not well. All you know, right. just, just you stuff like, like that, you know? I, I yeah. Am... And, and like I said, I hate to be that way because, no. you know, it could, it could very well be, you know, geographically you know that's where he grew up that's how people talk you know i'm in minnesota i talk funny um <laughs> don't you so, know you know <laughs> exactly so I, I hate to nitpick like that but the dude's supposed to be a professional you know and and i i look at it especially when these races are on nbc and you're getting these people that you know it's quite possible that's the first motocross race they've ever watched and that's our professional color analyst and you know like I said, not to be the grammar police, but you know, what are they thinking when they see that that's our professional color analyst for our sport? I can hear where you're coming from because I am a grammar. I always say grammar Nazi. I like grammar police better. That sounds better. Um, but I, that stuff drives me crazy too. I've kind of let it go with RC because of who he is, I think. And he's gotten so much better that the, the grammar doesn't bother me as much, but I don't totally disagree. Like you, you do think they should be like a weed, right? Weed is very, um, uh, grammar correct. Like he speaks very well. So I see where it come from, but I think once, if James shows up to do this, the commentating, like he's supposed to, you'll forget all about RC. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Um, so this is one of the topics I, I mentioned earlier that I thought Michael Lindsay had some really good questions at different points in the night for the guests. He asked RC like how he would have handled the pass attempt on Ken J, uh, Mason. And he broke it down about how he would do it. 
and, and like just him talking about like I was picturing it in my mind coming up the hill you know cutting to the inside all like the way he was describing it, I was like man this is kind of cool hearing like him speak inside his mind of how he would you know and maybe it wouldn't work if you're actually on the bike the way because he said you know these guys are good they know what they're doing but like hearing him analyze how he feels like he would have tried to make that pass I thought it was pretty damn cool yeah and I think that's what I like about Ricky is I don't expect him to be perfect with how he speaks but I expect him to be I guess perfect in how he analyzes what's going on yeah and I think that's a good example of of that um with breaking down that pass from Ken, I thought that it was, like you said, you could almost visualize Ricky out there on the track with him and where he'd be and how he'd defend him or how he'd get around him. And that's what I expect from Ricky. So uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think he did a, a really good job of breaking that down. And I think he's really come a long way in his announcing or commenting and color analysis. I think he's really uh, doing a great job at it. Yeah, I heard some info. I don't know if this is public knowledge or supposed to be. But whatever, I didn't. I wasn't told not to repeat it. So, I guess they hired um, Tony Romo's coach to help RC over, like maybe a year ago or so, in the last couple of years, and that's who he's been working with. So, or he did. Like RC actually hired him. So that's how much it means to him that he's putting. I'm sure that's not cheap, right? So he's working very hard to get better, and I do think he's made steps. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like okay, here, how about this, Mason? RC in his prime. He's following Kenny up that hill at Thunder Valley. He makes the pass, right? Oh, yeah. I think I think Ricky gets around Kenny for sure. Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the, just the way you – and I, if I can, I, I like to comment on yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Um, Go just, ahead. Just, just what Mason said um, because that's what I like about Ricky. You know, you nailed it right on the head when he's – when he's analyzing something or explaining something, man, when he's talking about, okay, the track was ruddy. So this is why this is, if that track wasn't ruddy, it'd be the opposite. You know, I'd rather be the the defender or the chaser. Yeah, we're actually going to get to that topic in just a minute. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm sorry, but no, that's fine. Um, but, but that's, you know, that's the, that's the side of Ricky. I like, and I, I guess I compare it to, I know he's working with coaches. I, I, I get that. It's like when he's on air or when he's on camera, um, it's like all that stuff goes away. It's like me on a dirt bike. You know, I can practice all day long. I'm really good. As soon as the gate drops, throw all that out the window. I suck. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I, I feel like, yeah, when he's at the pulp show, he's great because he's, re- he's relaxed. He's taking it easy. You know, that's just, just, you know, general chat and he's really good at that. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so there's definitely there's two sides to Ricky to me for sure. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned this. I, we talked in a, one of the last wrap up shows, maybe one of the last two, when they were talking about JT. I think it had to be the after Paula because of the technical issues he talked about having. When you're in the booth like Ricky is, and you've got Bondo in your ear, and you're trying to hit marks, and you're dealing with all, you know all these statistics sort of coming across, and it's not it's it's not him just sitting there talking. Like he's dealing with so many other things. You have to be able to um, multitask, which I cannot do. I've said that there's not a chance in hell I could be a t- on TV or a, like commentator because if I'm if I was talking about something going on in the race and then Bondo's going 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 to commercial in 30 seconds, I'd instantly stop talking and be like, "What? what? Oh, oh, you know, I couldn't do that." <laughs> so you got to give some credit to that or some you know consideration that that part of it's not just talking. You're dealing with so many other things and. I don't know. I think he they'll also hear like when Bondo's going to say to JT, "Hey, we're going to you in just a minute." Like he hears all that in his headphones. It's got to be so distracting. 
So I don't know that everybody, that, that has to be taken into consideration. Um, oh, you're absolutely yeah. right. It, it totally does. It's not something that any of us have done. And <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely have to take that into consideration. And, and I do, you know, yeah. I, maybe I come on a little strong. No, no, because but, I've, I've uh, just, but it is, but it is something that it, it honestly drives. Sure. Me. Sure. Well, let's go ahead and jump ahead just a second. Um, we'll talk about what you mentioned. That, that was another Michael Lindsay topic. He asked Ricky Mason, uh, at Thunder Valley, would you rather be the offender or defender? You know, in most situations, in my mind, I would think they'd almost always say, "Well, I want to be the I want to be offender. I want to be in second. I want to see what the guy in front of me is doing, so that he doesn't know what I'm doing necessarily, and at the right moment, I'll strike." So I was very surprised when he said, "No, at Thunder Valley, I want to be the defender because that seems like that's more stress, uh, you know, more pressure." So I thought that was a great question by Michael, Michael Lindsay, because I thought it was an obvious answer and I was completely wrong in what he said. Yeah. Agreed that Michael asked a great question there, but honestly, I wasn't surprised to hear that Ricky said he'd rather be in front. Um, I think somebody at Ricky's caliber uh, expects to be in front of everyone and can expect to keep everyone behind him. So I thought it was really insightful of how he would do it. And I thought it was really cool. He's like, no, I want to be in front. Um, I want to feel the person behind me and I want to keep them behind me. So I, I, I disagree with you, dark side. I think that, um, Ricky did uh, a really good job of being Ricky. You know, he wants to be up front. He wants people behind him and, and he proved it in what he said there. All right, Jason, he disagreed. So he is officially off anti team, anti Steve. So oh, it's just man. me and you, Jason. Well, just me and it you. Doesn't, it, this doesn't really involve Steve. So I, I have to agree <laughs> with Mason, I'm afraid. Shit. Um, because you just, you just look at, look at Ricky's career, you know, look at what he did and, and how many times, you know, he was so far out in front. Um, yeah. It totally makes sense to me that he would say, yes, I'm the most comfortable, you know, come get me. I'm, I'm going to be the prey. You be the predator. Come after me. Um, you know, but, but he did say it totally just depends on the track condition as well. If you've got a track that you can go anywhere you want and, you know, you can see what that guy is doing and you can set up your plan of attack, you know, then it's a different scenario in that situation where, you know, you've got eight ruts in a corner and you got to stick it in one of them and they're crossing each other and you're not getting out of it. It's a totally different scenario. So, um, yeah, I, I totally get what he says there. All right. I'm outnumbered. So I will concede. Uh, see Mathis had brought up the, the respect thing with battling, like how much respect Eli and Ken have for each other. And he kind of said to the RC or, uh, like, you know, it, in your era, maybe not the same thing. And this is, let's listen to him talk about it. They really enjoy battling with each other because they give each other respect. They both know that nobody's going to do anything dumb, and mm-hmm. and they love it, and it's great. It's a little bit like Stanton Bradshaw. Like they, Stanton and Bradshaw both talked about. They had these gnarly battles, and both of them were like, you know what? I knew the guy was going to clean me out, and I knew he wasn't going to do nothing dumb, and I knew we could ride it hard and and battle. And mm-hmm. like you didn't mm-hmm. battle with too many guys, but I got to imagine when you're with Stu. In 07, 06, and, yeah. and Chad, like, you don't feel like that. You probably don't feel like I can battle these dudes pretty clean. One of these guys may do something not cool. Well, that, that, is, that is great, and I'm glad you mentioned this because I was going to – so for Stu and I, definitely he had he grew. He gotten more time. So 06 and 07 mm-hmm. when he was on 450. I mean, 05 when he was still on 250 and we were all on 450s. I mean, he was at a massive disadvantage. Right. So, you know, the riding is going to be a little bit more aggressive, and I feel like he had to, to have a chance to beat Chad or I. 
07, 06 were some of the funnest times that I had racing with both of those guys. They had gotten a little bit older. I was already seasoned at that time. And yeah, there were most of the time you could race hard and they weren't going to clean you earlier on in the years. Not so much. I was the same same way my early years, but I learned a lot like in, in, in racing MC. I mean, he was, I always go back to in Lampson as well. You could race those guys as hard as you want to and you never had to look over your shoulder uh jason so that's i thought that was pretty cool right i mean most of the stuff anything we get to hear from ricky and these guys is usually pretty cool stories um but he was kind of like yeah i like the fact that he was like now we were kind of all that way in our early years and then kind of giving a little bit of a pass to uh, james because he was on two-stroke and he was underpowered he's like he kind of had to ride that way just to make up for it like I know in the time, right, in 05, he probably didn't feel that way. But now, looking back, the way he kind of handles it, it's kind of respectful, right? Like, man, the guy was just doing what he had to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's I think it's something that all these guys, you know, as time goes on, it, it, it grows on them. They, yeah. They grow, in, they grow into the riders that they become. And, yeah, I think, I think you see that with anybody – you know, coming out of the, coming out of the 250 class or whatever, you know, they're going to come out with a fire lit under their ass and they're going to try to, you know, they're going to, they want to be that guy at all costs. They don't care who they take out. They don't care what they have to do. Um, but as they mature, you know, you get to that point where it's like, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to win races by, you know, we saw it during supercross season, not going to win races by going out there and just taking people out. It's not going to work that way. Um, and, honestly, it's great for us as fans. I mean, the racing has been so good this year, just because of, just because of that, the guys can race each other hard, but they're not putting each other, you know, they're not putting each other on the ground. So it just makes for so much better racing for us. I feel like. Absolutely. And these stories, Mason, that we get to hear, you know, that from, you know, what, uh, 10 years ago, almost, it's like, it kind of makes me go, Oh, you know, in 10 years, we're going to have like Eli and Kenny come on Pulp Mex and talk about the real stories, you know, or, or, you know, we're going to get stuff that we don't know right now. Although right now, this, this era, we get more information than obviously we did 10 years ago with all the media that's involved in the podcast and the social media and all that. But like, it kind of makes me excited for what we're going to get from this era's riders in 10 years. Yeah, I agreed. And I, I'm hoping that Steve's still around in 10 years so we could get Eli Kenny on there for show 1000 or whatever <laughs> no. that is at that point in studio <laughs> to get all these kind of stories. God, the ceilings are going to be so tall, but I'm coming for him though. So he might not be around, but yeah. Um, and, and Mason to stick with you. How about Steve's story about RC at Thunder Valley in 05? Like the popping and farting and sucking was the quote that the bike was doing. That story was pretty funny. Uh, you know, and RC talking about like, I thought it was over. I was, you know, pep talking my bike to get it to the end. <laughs> like, again, you think in 05, if they inter- when they interviewed him after the race, he was like, yeah, I thought it was over. I thought it was done. Hell no, he wasn't. Like, now we're getting the stories thanks to Steve and having him on. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really good story. I, I really enjoyed that one. It even made me laugh kind of to myself while yeah. I was listening to it. You know, I could just picture Steve there rubbing his hands like, oh, we got him now. Like, literally. And then Ricky just holds, yeah, and then Ricky just holds on to it and, and pulls away with the win. Absolutely. And Jason, another great story, thanks to Mark, the caller, about the 92 Supercross uh, at Tampa, right? RC visiting the, the Swink and Lusk at the trucks and Bob Hanna wanting to sign RC's hat. Like, that was, it was so cool that Ricky remembered that. He was, oh, yeah, that, you know, remember where the hat came from, everything. Like, that was 
the dude had it on video. Like that's old school throwback. And Ricky was like, seemed genuinely excited to remember that story. Yeah. To, to be able to, to pull that out of the memory bank, um, you know, (laughs) it's, it's just incredible. And I think part of it maybe had to do with, you know, like you said, you know, they duct taped him. He was laying on the ground and couldn't get up. So, you know, it's something that definitely stuck in his head about that day. Yeah. But, I mean, even just to, to, to be able to remember the moment, remember where the hat came from, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe I knew who Bob Hanna was, but I didn't, I didn't recognize him. You know, it's, uh, it's just kind of, it's incredible to me that, that he can remember all that, you know, after yeah. all those races, um, I think of, uh, of, uh, I don't remember which one it was, but it was a great outdoors video where, you know, Ricky said in that video that, you know, you're winning all these races and you just never really get a chance to hang on to any of it. Mm. And then poof, it's over. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's true. But you still remember all of this somehow. So that's pretty incredible. I agree. And I I appreciate him sharing it and good job to call her Mark for a, bringing up that memory. It was a cool story that most of us, you know, probably only the few people that were in front of the box vans that day. And then Ricky and, you know, I doubt Lusk even swing. Remember that. So that was, that was a really cool moment in Pulp Mex Monday night. Cause again, not something that was documented. Um, hey, last, dark side, yo, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but no. um, that kind of made me think, do you think that Jet Lawrence in 10 years is going to remember the first time he met Rick Johnson, kind of not knowing <laughs> who he was, and then 10 years from now, he's going to come on Pulp and be like, you know, kind of same similar story as Ricky? I hope so, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Um, last thing on Ricky, they were talking about Dungey coming back, and, uh, you know, and, and I think Steve asked him if, like, you know, back when you retired, if you, if a couple of years later, you would have thought about coming back, but something Ricky said kind of stood out. He said, you know, if you can get, make it through like that first year of retirement, you're good. But like with Dungey, that's not the case. Like Ricky said it almost like, Oh, if he can get through it, he's, you know, he'd be fine. But when I, you know, I interviewed Dungey post race and, uh, it's up on the Moto Expo show YouTube channel. Just don't listen to that part there, Steve. But he told me like, uh, you know, like he, it was good the first couple of years, but he was like, man, like you can't just sit around, you know, there's it's too many, like what, what ifs. And as a man, you just don't want to just sit around. Like you, you need, you need that part of your life still. And you wonder if you can still do it. So I don't think Dungy was on the same wave, same wavelength as what Ricky seemed to be getting to that first year. Cause I mean, what it's five years, right? Six years, whatever it is it's been. And yeah, Dungy was still still had the drive, uh, Jason. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, it's interesting to hear Ricky's perspective on it just yeah. because, um, like you said, I think, I think the burnout was probably there, um, a little more permanently set in for Ricky at that point, um, when he retired, yeah, you know, probably. Ryan, I think it was more of a little bit of a, uh, you know, split second decision that I, I think he got, he got spooked a little bit by an injury, and was kind of maybe coaxed into, you know what? That's enough. We got we got we got away with one. We got lucky. Um, let's step away with the or from this while we still can, while we're yep. still walking. But at the same time, I mean, what's the guy supposed to do? He's competitive. He's done all this work, all of his, you know, all of his life to to get to the point where he's at. What's he going to do now? Is he going to show up at Millville on Amateur Day and race us? I mean, <laughs> right. No. You know, uh, you, you have to have that, you have to have a way to, um, you know, to get rid of that drive to, you know, yeah. to do something with that. So, um, 
I think it's, it's incredible that he's back and that he's doing what he's doing. Um, even though he made a total ass out of me because I, even when, uh, when vital came out with the video, I said, no, that won't happen. He's not coming back. <laughs> We've heard this before. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I will say what you, you kind of touched on about the injury scared him. I asked him about that in that interview. I mentioned previously that I won't mention again. Um, he, he, you know, I kind of was like, you know, you, you stepped away because of the neck injury, blah, blah, blah. I said, then a few years later, you decided you want to come back. And I was like, what you stepped away after talking to Lindsay and making a family decision. I said, well, how was she when you decided to come back? I said, did she say like, no. And he goes, yeah, she did like, no, she didn't want me to. So, but he kind of said almost exactly what you said, Jason, that like he kind of had to. And I think that's, that's very telling, but that's really cool. Um, Michelin bicycle tires. I don't know how much either one of you guys road bike, mountain bike, BMX, etc. But Michelin motorcycle tires have been pulp, pulp, a part of Pulp MX for a long time, and they're a part of the Pulp MX wrap-up show in the bicycle side. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. To this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill. Then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the BMX 20-inch tires, BMX Pilot, or any of the road models. They're all fantastic. You can get those things at motorsport.com, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, along with a lot of the other Pulp Mech-sponsored items. So let's get to Levi the Chef Kitchen. He gets his first moto win and a start after the seven deuce, deuces advice, let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of this. Did you just let it happen? Did you do the app? Did, did you do any of that advice, Levi? I'm gonna be completely honest with you. No. What a what a moto! Like just gone. You're you were clean. You just just you never got pressure. Just see you later. Like if if I'm gonna win my first pro moto, that's how I dream it up right there, man. What just a what domination. a moto! Yeah. After I got out front. I immediately, I know you should never look back, but I just checked over my shoulder to see who was behind me. And, um, you know, I seen it was Justin and Jet. And I'm like, well, you know, I want to beat these guys straight up. And, like, now's my opportunity. Like, these guys are behind me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm going as long as I can. And I actually felt just fine. I didn't didn't really pump up or nothing. I mean, it just felt like another day of practice at that right. point. And I noticed uh, my mechanic was giving me a pit board and, I think he got it down to like three seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, to be fair, at that point, I'd already thought that he was done or that he was just kind of settled. But then he got to three, and I was like, oh, boy. And I turned it up <laughs> and uh, was able to get a little bit of room. But, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It went went about perfect. That second one, um, yeah, I worked a lot harder for a fifth than I did to win that first one. <laughs> I will say, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I found myself around like I just didn't get a bad start. I was in like eighth, and then when Thrasher and Hammaker got together, I fell. Right, and uh, went back to maybe twelfth or something. And yeah, for about a good fifteen minutes, I was riding really good. Like I was, but I was pushing hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got up to Shimoda, and I was like, all right, like I know if I pass them, that's probably all I've got in me. Yeah, and I got around him, and then I seen Jay Coop actually, and I was catching him. And uh, I tried for about a lap. He stayed about the same, and that after that, I mean, that was all I had. I was like, Dude, I'm done. And then my mechanic, I thought because I knew I was in fifth, and I was like, 
I was like, damn, like I won the first moto. I'm in fifth. There's no way I'm on the podium. I probably got fourth overall. Like I'm thinking about this in my head. And then I get one lap to go and my mechanic says P3 overall. And I was just like in my helmet. I was like, wow. Like, nice. All right, Mason, first things first. He's congested. You can hear it. He talked about being sick. Last week, Jet and Hunter were sick. I spent a bunch of time with him Friday and Saturday at the track. I blame them for me getting sick, just so you know, okay? Yeah, no, I agree. It's absolutely uh, the Lawrence's brother's fault that you're sick right now. I think they've got everyone in the fifth sick. All right, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. That's all I needed. I, don't, I, I thought you were just ghosting me for a minute because it was a dumb question, but cool. No, I apologize. My, uh, <laughs> no, my mute button was not unmuting. Ah, okay, fair enough. Um, but Mason, what I do like this, right? Um, I like the fact that he said, no, I didn't really follow your advice. That was great. That was fun. Cause if he had been, yeah, yeah. Then that would have just made Steve's ego even bigger. So I enjoyed that, but like just, he sounds so mature in this, in this, that little bit of audio. Cause he's, you know, Hey, I didn't have anything left. I didn't think, but then I saw, you know, I had to get Joe, Joe. And then I saw a coop and I tried to push and like, I don't know. It just seemed like his maturity level in his writing has come up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Well, and I think Steve touched on it. I think after he got that win or he starts to run up front, I think he feels like he belongs up there yeah. and confidence goes a long way with these guys. And you can really see that shining through with Levi. I agree. And he kind of did say on the press conference, like, you know, like, and I know now like the speed, and I know I can do it. So, and that, that obviously Jason, that, that's a big part of this thing, right? Once you, run with those guys a few times and you lead. And he even talked about like, it seemed kind of easy once he got out front and he's going to remember that, right? He's going to remember how that felt. He's going to remember how that worked. And he's going to like, okay, I can do this again. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a, it's another one of those situations, you know, where you talk about a rider that's sick um, or, you know, like he was talking about last week, um, you know, he's dealt with elevation sickness yeah, before. That's right. And, and, you know, coming into a race, that you, when you have that much on your mind, you know, what he needed to do was not think about the starts, not dwell on the fact that, man, my starts are terrible. You know, if I could only get past that now he's thinking about, man, how many, I just have to get through this day, you know, no expectations, no, nothing, you know, let's just figure out how to get through the day. The, the things that are bothering or that were bothering him are now out of his mind. Um, he's thinking about being sick, how to survive and all that boom gate drops and he's gone. Um, it, and then absolutely, like you say, uh, once, once you've, once you've led a moto from, um, from gate drop to checkered, um, yeah, you get that feeling, you know what it's like, you know, you have the pace and, and we all know confidence is everything in this sport. And, yeah. and to say that you've been there and, the, and that you've done that now you feel like I belong up there. That's where I should be. Crappy start went down. Doesn't matter. We're going to the front. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that Steve got him on again. Like, as soon as he was about to come on, or maybe in the beginning of the show, Steve was like, Levi Kitchen, I know he was on last week. And sometimes people don't like guests back-to-back -back like that, but I think it was a perfect time. I uh, kind of hate that I didn't ask him to come on the show because I'd had him on the week before Steve did a couple weeks ago. But I, I think it was really good that Steve got him on uh, and, and kind of heard his thoughts on that first win. It was, it was a really good interview. And my second favorite piece of audio from the entire night came from Levi. Let's listen. I don't see how this show could help me. I'm sorry. In case nobody heard that. <laughs> I don't see how this show could help me. I'm sorry. Ah, one more time. I don't see how this show could help me. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, that's enough of that. Um, after Levi's impressive ride, Steve asked most of the guests what kitchen ceiling is. And I feel like a big joke was missed on this. Nobody 
talked about Steve's kitchen ceilings. There should, there should have been a joke there. But what is Levi's ceiling? He got the start. He came on here. He said, I can't get starts. His average first lap position was 15th yep. through the first four motos. The kid got a start at altitude, go figure, and took off. Jet told me, Tommy told you, yeah. he laid the hammer down to try to get him. No, Couldn't do it. You could see it in yep. where he tried for a little while, and then Levi just started opening it back up. It was really impressive. Levi reminds me of a younger Adam. Am I drunk? Am I high? You're saying riding style? Yeah, riding style. Riding yeah. style. Like, like, like I said, like him or early Jason or some just as yeah. far back off the back. Yeah, and moving, and moving. What's kitchen ceiling? Like, is this another great star rider in your mind? If I take LeBlanc, Romano, and Kitchen, and I'm going purely off what I've seen of their riding ability, I think Kitchen has the highest ceiling right now. Can you win championships? I would have said no before this weekend, but um, that was a pretty clear breakout ride. Um, you know, the tough thing is that usually those star guys, when they have their guy, they come in and win right away. And Kitchen didn't really do that. So that's my only real hesitation. Like if you look at Justin Cooper, he went right straight to podiums. It's really hard to ignore how good he was in that first moto. I mean, that was seriously impressive. All right. So first of all, when Michael said something, you know, he said, uh, that's his, his, how high kitchen ceiling is or whatever his quote was a second ago. Perfect time for marks or talent to say, but not as high as Steve's kitchen ceilings. See, I mean, Steve needs to be in studio. I agree 100%. That was uh, that was a ball drop for sure because I think we were all chuckling just waiting. I was. Uh, yeah, I was instantly taking notes and I was texting marks like, oh, kitchen ceiling. We missed, you know, that was missed. But yep. um, I like what they had to say. And we just talked about his maturity and the things that he learned. But Mason, like, is it too early to start asking about championships after one moto win? I mean, have we really seen enough? Is uh, Steve, I know it's just a question for bench racing purposes, but... Is Steve getting a little ahead of himself with that question or no? Uh, maybe a year or two, but I mean, Levi was never that breakout all-star all amateur either. Right. It kind of took him a minute, um, kind of flew under the radar. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this kid's really good. And I feel like that's kind of happening now on the in the pro circuit. So uh, I don't think a championships are out of the question. I don't know how soon they'll come, but I don't think they're impossible for him. Yeah, it's just it's gonna be tough. I mean, we got the Lawrence brothers, and, and the the talent in that class is pretty high still right now. But uh, I definitely see the potential. So maybe not too early. Um, Mason, tell us about Seal Savers if you're prepared. Yeah, I didn't tell you to be prepared. I'm always prepared to talk about Seal Savers. We've been around since 1999, making protection products for uh, dirt bikes, side by sides, UTVs, uh, Jeep trucks, buggies, whatever it is. We've got a variety of different things. Um, well, man, we've got a, a really big partnership coming up that I'm super excited about. I wish I could talk about it right now, but since they haven't given me the green light, I really can't. So uh, I okay. guess I'll have to come back on. Stay tuned, yeah. Weeks. Yeah. But, um, no, our side-by-side stuff are doing really well with our shock protection, with our coil savers, and TV boot protection with our, C- our CV savers are doing very well. Um, we're excited about the future and have a lot of cool things coming down the pipeline. Well, cool. So you guys, if you want the best protection for fork seals, uh, enter code pulp25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Um, let's talk about AC. Adam C. and Cirillo came on the show. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff that AC had to talk about. You know, some mental health type stuff. He didn't specifically say he was talking about mental health, but he's talking about, you know, starting to be more patient, um, 
do he's like right now he's doing his job, but it's the hardest part of his job or maybe the worst part of his job. I think is what he said, Jason, like the gym, the cycling, the, you know, the watching film, like none of that really sounds like fun to most people. Like the fun part is probably going riding. Um, but he's, he's kind of, and he talked about doing my best and accepting the outcome, which I heard him talk about that at Minneapolis during on press day, me and Steve and Weege and AC were all standing around there on the start line while I was riding. And he was kind of talking about that. Like, I'm just going to accept what comes. Uh, I can't really, I have to be happy with what I'm doing and doing the best I can and find a way to be happy in that. And that's not easy to do, especially as a professional athlete. These guys are hard on themselves. They always want more. I hope he can actually put that into play, like for real when he's racing, that he can actually maintain that. But it seems like he's really working on himself. What'd you gather from it? How do you feel about his comments? Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about it okay. right now, to tell you the truth. Um, because I, you're not me, alone. To me, that's somebody that sounds like he's kind of lost his drive a little bit. And I'll I'll bring up another podcast just so you're not getting in trouble. But, you know, I listened to the exhaust podcast with, uh, with Weege, with yeah. AC. And I came out of that thinking the same thing. It's like, okay, it kind of sounds like the guy's lost his drive a little bit. He's never struck me as a rider that's, you know, yes, he's gotten hurt a lot. But he's not, he's not a guy that's out there riding over his head like, oh, my God, you're just waiting for him to die, right? Yeah. So I don't feel like that's like to hear him talk like he's talking now it's almost like dude are, are you even gonna come back i mean it's almost a little bit scary honestly to hear him talking the way he is but uh you know maybe that's what he needs maybe he just needs to mentally flush the toilet and start over and uh um ho- hopefully he can he can come back and have some things figured out with a nice reset. I don't know, but, yeah. but to, to be honest, I, I don't know what to think about it. Well, and I think a lot of people share your belief and you could, or your, your thoughts on that. And I think a lot of people could say, well, it kind of sounds like he's just given up and accepting, well, whatever happens happens. But Mason, you know, he, he went on the, the ayahuasca retreat and talked about that stuff and emotional healing. And he said like, Hey, I'm rededicating myself to the sport. So to put himself in a better place. So, I, I can see where Jason or other people could get that opinion, but I'm trying, I'm trying to go and look on the, the positive side and going, okay, he's not going to worry about what's happened in the past. He's not going to concern himself with all the injuries and be depressed. Cause it'd be very easy to just give up and be like, well, this is not going to happen. Instead. He's like working on his mental health and going, okay, I can't let that stuff bother me anymore. It happened. It may happen again, but I got to go out and do the best I can with what I have. So I'm kind of hoping it's the opposite of what Jason is kind of saying. He can, can see it almost sounding like, what do you think? Uh, I, I disagree with you guys. I think Ooh. Adam's going to come back as the same fast falls out speed guy, but I think he's going to be a lot more mature. Um, I don't know, man. Well, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Talk, I, yeah, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be really good. I think he looked his soul in the eye with that ayahuasca journey he went on <laughs> and I think that he really for lack of better words, man, I, I think he just kind of found himself and what he wants to do and how he wants to be in life. And I think that this is going to be a rejuvenated Adam. I mean, he re, like he said, he rededicated himself to the sport and I don't think that's something that he would just say to throw it out there. I I really see a big turnaround 
And I, I don't know if, if Chase keeps falling down in the last lap, you might want to hit Adam up on what to do differently. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Ouch. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right. Let's move on to another topic about with AC. They brought up Savachi. We're on his, on his, basically in his seat right now. And I, ooh, I, I wasn't really sure how I felt about what he had to say. Let's listen to it. And I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Savachi's back on the team um, and uh, uh, filling in for you for the Nationals and uh, yep. doing all right, getting better. You know, I think he's really appreciative of the opportunity. People do not understand how hard it is to take so much time off the bike and then get even even if you have a month, and I don't even think he had a month. Um, oh, not even. Yeah, it's really hard. He's off the pace of that lead group. You know, he's kind of just off the back of that 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 lead group there. But yeah, I think he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. I think for himself, it's like one of those things where he just needs to make it like to the first weekend off, and then um, I think he'll have some flashes. You know, where he or he gets some starts. He's obviously a really good starter. Mm-hmm. I think he'll lead some laps and. Right. I think you'll have some um, moto podiums. Joey and I, obviously, it was it was, you know, it's it's business. It's business with the whole, um, you know, with me, you know, with him being on the team and um, me coming in the next year there. And obviously, you know, it can be a little weird, whatever. But as far as like hit, you know, him and I's relationship and all that, it's fine. As far as value goes, you know, I hope you know other teams see see his value and. Um, yeah, he's he's a he's a really good rider, and it's crazy. Like, it's crazy that we're talking about somebody like that, like potentially not having a ride, or you know, I, you know, I think he'll be fine. But yeah. in terms of the team folding, etc., it's just he's got so much talent, so much ability. It's like you want to see somebody like that under, you know, a factory. Semi. Yeah. And let me edit what I said a minute ago. I said it had me. You know, I was I wasn't sure how I felt about that. What he had to say, and he was very complimentary of Savachi. Jason, but like when he was talking about oh, its business and as far as a relationship, it's fine. I felt like there's a little more, it wasn't so fine. Kind of like there might've be a little bit of tension there. So I think he, I kind of felt like he was, uh, sidestepping it just that part of it a little bit, which is fine. But I, I just found that kind of interesting. Did you hear it the same way I did or am I reading too much into it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there was kind of a lot of back and forth in, in the answer to that question. Yeah. And he finished it with saying he wanted to throw him under the semi. Um, oh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I missed but, that part. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I think there was a lot of back and forth there. You know, he st- his answer started out positive yeah. and then yeah, kind of went to kind of a little darker side of, yep. It's just business between us. Um, you know, and then, yeah, kind of finished maybe backpedaling a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely some mixed feelings there. I kind of vibe that, too. Um, all right, I'm going to give Michael Lindsay another uh, compliment on his questions. And I'll go to you here in a minute, Mason. But he uh, he asked AC in regard, he was talking about Eli and Jason changing teams and some of the other guys that changed teams this year and how well it's gone for him. If that was something he ever thought about. It's been an interesting storyline this year to watch, you know, Anderson, Tomac, Malcolm Stewart, all these guys yeah. change teams, change, you know, their their surroundings and have great have great success from it. For you personally, has that really ever crossed the mind or do you feel like you're where you need to be? Logically looking at things, I have everything that I need at Kawasaki. The mm-hmm. the bike the bike is great, the bike is capable of winning. Um I genuinely love everybody that I work with. 
they're great to work with. They've been awesome to me. They've been loyal to me. I've been loyal to them. Um, you're always, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Talk to guys, like, or talk to guys five years after the career's over and, and talk to them about all their team changes and ask them what they really think about it now. And it's, it's really, um, most of them will tell you it's just, it, you know, it's a new set of problems. It's this illusion in your head. Yeah, I mean, I love where I'm at. Like I said, and no, it, it hasn't really, it hasn't really crossed my mind. I, I feel like I think I just need to ride like mm-hmm. consistently and race consistently and be there. Um, that's all I feel like I'm missing. I just don't know why I would add another variable mm-hmm. to that when I have everything I need and I'm stoked on where I'm at. So Mason, I think a lot of riders, if you asked who to pick a guy, uh, Jet Lawrence right now, or pick. And you ask that same question, they'd be like, no, no, I'm happy here right now, you know, blah, blah. And you could take it with a grain of salt. But like with Adam's response, I believe him. Like, I feel like he's sort of done his research and talked to other guys who, you know, have changed teams and now they're retired and maybe regret making those changes. And we hear time and time again on Pulp Mix with the, the classic riders, right? The guys that have been around, were in the industry years ago and they're like, man, I, I, I took that contract. It was more money or whatever. And it wasn't the best bike and it was a mistake. And, and I feel like Adam is taking, I, I believed him and I feel like he's looking at history and going, yeah, the grass is always greener on this side. I'm good where I'm at. And I, I kind of, I, I dug that response and I think he stays at Cowie. Yeah. I thought that was a very mature response from yeah. Adam saying the grass is always greener. And I think that Eli and Jason both, both left their teams for a different reason. Um, I mean, Jason was looking for a little bit more rigidity in his program where Eli was looking for a little bit more freedom in the bike. And I think that Adam, like he said, he has all the pieces he needs to be successful. Uh, he just needs to put the laps in now. Um, I think that the other thing is, um, you know, Eli's made a couple team choices over the years from Suzuki to Honda to Cowie now to Yamaha, where Adam's always been a Cowie guy. So I think that there's a lot of comfort in that for him as well. And I think the fear of the unknown is something that Adam may not be a big fan of. Good point. I like it. Uh, Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. You guys can go to pulpmixshow.com, pulpmix.com. Use the the links, the, the little widgets or whatever from Motorsport. takes you over there, and you can order Guts Racing seat covers, Michelin motorcycle and bicycle tires, seal savers, correct? Absolutely. As well as Fly Racing. Uh, I assume Liat is available at motorsport.com? Absolutely. So use that to support all the different sponsors, Maxima, et cetera, et cetera, that support Pulp Mix. Go buy your stuff there. Support the wrap-up show. We really appreciate it. A uh, few other things. Let's do the Race Tech rant. This is, I always say, this is one of my favorite segments, especially when Steve just goes off. Last week's was fantastic. It was one of my favorites. This week was not quite as wild, quite as crazy, but it was a good one. So, Antonio Caroli is the top placing KTM rider right now in the points. Yep. He just got fourth in a moto as well this past weekend. He's gotten three whole shots out of six motos. Most as TV well. time, probably. Tons of TV time. He is a 
nine-time MXGP nine-time GP champion. He is an he's an ambassador for KTM right now, and so he gets paid to be an ambassador. But he's going home after High Point. He can't. He, he's racing right now for KTM for no money, just an ambassador stuff. So he gets no bonuses, gets no anything, gets purse money only, and he wants to stay. Mm-hmm. And he said they will not pay him any money. To, they won't give him any bonuses. They just won't pay him bonuses to race. And I cannot believe that KTM can't come up with some money and find some money. This is a super cool story. He's been putting good results in. Not great, but good to very good. He's going to get better as the series moves to these tracks that are softer. And he's going home. Mm-hmm. And I... Look, if KTM had somebody that was going 1-1 or 2-1, like, I get it. Like, hey, we got our guy, and we're, thank you, Antonio. But for all this guy has done for KTM, they can't get him a bonus program? Come on, KTM! Hurling is a web iron racing right now. Even if they're still being paid, they're probably on some level of injury clause right now. That isn't enough money to help this dude out? It's unbelievable. Clearly, he's done- he is great marketing. Yeah. Clearly, he is the highest placing in points. It's working out. It's working. It's working. He's whole shotting. He's highest placing rider yeah. in points. He just got fourth. It's all working. He gave you four races as a gimme. Now pay him for the other eight. Jason, this pisses me off. I, I, oh, dude. I'm so bummed. I'm angry because I will be at Millville. Book my flights today. He's not going to be there. It doesn't sound like now. I didn't really get a chance to interview him because I, I got the introduction, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, like, he should be there. It's such a big story. Like, this, there has to be a way, Jason. This is insanity to me that KTM would just not figure out a way. Like, again, I don't know the business side. I'm sure there's business people at KTM that have their reasons, but their reasons suck, whatever they are. Absolutely. And, and I first heard about this, I think it was Friday, and was just beside myself um, to, to hear that. You know, of course, he's a multi-time world champion. You know, the guy's he's probably doing okay anyway, right? Yeah. But still, he's over here. He's taking the risk. He wants you know, to be here. He wants to be here. He's, you know, it's everything Steve just said. He's, you know, he's getting the exposure. He's, you know, the number one guy on the team at points. He's doing everything that you would want in a rider. How can they not be paying him something? I mean, I have no idea what ambassador status is or you know what that what that means, but it can't be that much, right? But how, your hotel. how can they not? You know, like they said, you're not. I guarantee you, they're not paying Cooper Webb his full salary. So where did that go? Um, and I I totally understand that budgets are budgets, um, but my God, you, you you've got to be kidding me that they can't come up with something to keep this guy here, you know, to keep that bike on the track. And, uh, you know, the fans are loving him. Um, I, I didn't know that much about him before. Um, I'm not a real worldly guy myself. Um, so, (laughs) um, I can't, I can honestly say the first time he was interviewed, um, this year, that's the first time I even knew what his face looked like. Oh, wow. Okay. um, But I, but I've, but I've quickly become a fan. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a lot of people out there like me that are like, Oh my God, this guy's cool. You know? Um, so yeah, just like you said, absolutely beside myself that they cannot work something out and make this work. Um, I was, you know, like, like you, uh, you know, I'll be at Millville was, was pumped to see him ride. And, uh, yeah, it's looking like that's not going to happen. And it's an absolute bummer. I totally agree. Mason, like KTM, they, they seem to be a team 
unlike other teams, they'll they'll put three riders on their bikes. Hell, you know, four riders, whatever. Um, you know, they'll do different things. Like they're they they're not they don't seem to be as strict as the Japanese OEMs. This this decision just makes no sense to me. I mean, it just doesn't add up. Yeah, I don't quite understand it either. And I think the solution is going to be relying on the power of pulp. I think Steve needs to make like an I Heart AC two 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 shirt and needs to sell it. And every bit of proceeds needs to go to Cairoli and keep him here as long as we can. I don't know how much money we can make from that, but it's got to be better than zero if that's what Kate. Right, right. That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I want to move on to my call, and I usually don't touch a ton on when I call in, but I feel like this was this was my bar. This was my highlight of all my calls. I mean, I got to make fun of Steve's hair a little bit. Um, I got some compliments from Steve. Legit media opportunities. Uh, he did say I had greasy ponytail and a greasy bandana in the past, which is false. My shit was clean, Steve. Um, I was able to be part of the weed show and the best post race show. I did give Steve and Kiefer a bunch of credit. Like as much as I hate to admit since the haircut, there have been other opportunities and apparently there are people who still judge a book by its cover and the long hair couldn't be taken, uh, seriously. So as much as I think that's really stupid, it seems to be true to a degree. So again, I'm giving Steve and Chris thanks and props for that. But, uh, Mason, I feel like this was one of the more fun calls I've ever had to pulp. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed your call there. I thought Steve giving you a hard time about your trajectory was great. I think you dishing it right back to him was awesome. But I, I'm on Steve's side on this. I think that your haircut, I mean, look at what's happened, man. I mean, you got the new bike, the new truck, the house. You're on the Racer X, you know, <laughs> review show. I think you're talking about you'd never be able to be in the booth. I think that's your next step. I think oh, you should close that door before you walk <laughs> through it. So I think, I think you're on a great path. And as someone who came on board as a sponsor of the wrap up, I just want you to know, I've always believed in you, even with your long hair. <laughs> well, I appreciate, appreciate that Mason. You just made me think of something. So I, I asked Steve, I think it was maybe the last thing I asked him if he was prepared, if he was prepared to go in the booth, if need be this coming weekend. And he kind of just blew it off and, let me just say, I, I can't say on here why I asked that, but I, I had some insider info that the person that's supposed to be in the booth this week might not be able to do it. That may have changed by now, but like there could be an opening this weekend. And I think Steve's the perfect guy. I, I mean, would they do it? Probably not, but he, he could slide right into that seat, I think, and do fine. So after this weekend, Maybe next week I'll tell I'll tell everybody what I was told, but I don't want to be the guy that quote unquote broke the embargo before I'm allowed to say anything. But somebody might somebody else might be in the booth this week than who's scheduled to be. Hopefully it'll be Steve. Um Jason We'll have to get a haircut first. No, it won't be me. <laughs> no, no, he oh, will. Oh, Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve oh, we're, we're, we're about to get to that. Yeah, but I do want to go back real quick to the him introducing me to uh Jill and Tony. That was pretty cool. They were sitting around. I think it was Dan Truman and Steve, Tony, uh, and and Jill. And I kind of walked up, and Steve said, "What's up?" And I was like, "Hey, yeah." I just they were all talking. And I said, "I just kind of wanted to meet Tony," which I actually did meet him at MXDN at Redbud a few years ago. But it was like real, real quick, and there's no way he would even remember that. Uh, I had you know I had the long hair and the, the bandana, so he probably didn't even pay attention. But 
He, Steve literally did. Tony walked off. He introduced me to Jill and said, Hey, Jill, this is my buddy, Jamie. And I was like, Whoa. And then Tony came back and he said the exact same thing. So he said it twice, blew my mind. Like, I do feel like Steve and I are friends, but him actually admitting it out loud was so odd compared to how he is on air. And I say that all the time on here. Like, Steve's super cool off air and he just busts my balls constantly on air. But it was really a cool moment. I mean, I, I'm sort of fanboying out here, but it was cool. I mean, I don't know. I, I was like, I, I guess it did make me feel a little more legit, Jason. You know, I think it's really funny. Um, to Obviously, you know, I don't know you. I don't know Steve. You know, what I know of you guys is what I hear, right? So I, I picture your relationship with Steve like my relationship with my older brother when I was little, right? Steve's when the older one, just, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like when, he's when, old it's, when it's just, yeah. When it's, when it's just me and my older brother. Yeah. I'm super cool to hang out. Right. With, you know, let's go do this. Let's do, you get my brother around his friends. <laughs> and now I, I'm the guy we're throwing rocks at. Right. And that's, it almost makes me feel sorry for you sometimes dark side, because I've been there and yeah. it's like, God, you know, every time Steve's around certain people or he's on the show or whatever, all of a sudden dark side's getting shit on all the time. And, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think I, I'm not the only, and I'm not sucking up to you. No, it's I, fair. I'm just saying, I don't think I'm the only one that sometimes it's like, dude, why do you put up with this guy? I mean, you know, enough people you can, you can probably do okay without him. And I'll probably never be another, uh, never be a co-host on this show again for saying that, but no, I, um, you're not the only person <laughs> that said that I get messages from friends and i get messages from listeners all the time why do you put up with that he's such an asshole to you and i usually will you know respond like a dm style but look you guys have no idea what steve's done for me off the air i mean from early on before i was doing the wrap-up like my first couple shit races going to in person hey steve can i ask you a couple questions yeah man what's up so when you when you have some insider knowledge that you, you know, is you're not supposed to talk about like, but sometimes you do, how do you handle that? Or, Hey, I'm having problems with this technical side of calls and it being sounding funny, dude. He always listened. He always helped me. He would like when he would call me or I called him for some questions on, uh, same thing, just having issues with the phone systems. And he's like, what kind of phone are you using? I'm, I'm, I was on a droid at the time. He goes, dude, I will send you an iPhone. You got to get off the droid. You need FaceTime. Like, dude, just stuff like that. Like, he didn't have to do any of that stuff. Walking me through some editing issues. Um, you know, just, it, it was like, I, I know that this on-air stuff was somewhat of an act, so it didn't bother me. Like, if he was a dick to me in real life and in person also, then I would have had a problem with it, and I would have never stayed doing the wrap up or any of that stuff would it wouldn't have happened but he really is a very good dude he's really helpful really friendly pretty much always has time if i have a question or something to talk about um so that's why like you know it is an on-air thing to a degree some of the things he says he means like he legitimately thought the hair didn't wasn't look didn't look good it wasn't professional etc cetera, etc cetera. and the way he um the way he presents that sometimes can be a little harsh but that's just steve i think we all know that now so that's really why. I mean, yeah, there's times when my feelings have been hurt a little bit. You know, I'm like, God damn. Like when he's, I told Weeds, like when he keeps saying the pony pot, it kind of irritates me because there are people still to this day that go, dude, I can't find the pony pod. Where, where's that? It, it's not a real thing. 
And he just feels threatened by you. That's what it is. He didn't he say that? That you know he better watch his <laughs> yep. back. But that that's really the only thing that he does that kind of bugs me is I wish he would show enough respect to the show that I, I work my ass off to call it the Moto X Pod show. That's the only thing that really gets under my skin, but it's not so much that I'm even mad about it. It's just like, ah, I wish he would like because it would be on the reality is it would help his listeners over time like on YouTube chat during the show, they're like, dude, I didn't know you actually had a show. I'm going to check it out. And some of the listeners have come over, you know, and we see them in our YouTube chat on Tuesday nights. And so, you know, I, if you call it by the actual name, that would help. And that means a lot to me, but we're running, we're starting to run a little low on time. Got a few more topics. So let me just play this. What's the problem? Everybody's uh, <laughs> commenting about your hair tonight. Your haircut, bad. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, Marks. Is that why you said nice haircut before the show? No, I said nice haircut before the show, yeah. and then the YouTube comment started after the show. <laughs> but you were making. Were, were you, did you say nice haircut because it was bad, Marks? No. Yeah, but you can't see it, can you? Yeah, you can. Shit. Okay. What's Questions wrong with it? Tomax fade. What's wrong with it? Just the, it's too back. It's too fit. What, what's going on with it? What's the problem? I don't know. There's comments all over the place. A couple of people are comparing you to JT. I don't know. Oh wow. I, Okay. <laughs> she made me do this, and I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think people could see it on camera and everything. The problem with it that I had was it was uneven in spots, but, like, what's this problem? People keep asking you if you have highlights. No, I... No, I, she's banned from the studio. I'm changing it back to tweet it tits. But it was more like, I'm, oh, wow, I didn't think it was that bad. Listen, if anybody's going to give me shit about my hair, it's Mr. Side, who, you know, now looks of, like a fashion model. Of all people. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> Crap, first thing, I'm going to have to edit the audio. I, I put in there what Yar Yar said about it looking like a kindergartner cut it. And I thought I did, but it wasn't there. So I may have to edit that. Maybe I won't. You guys heard it probably on the show. Um, Mason, that was by far my favorite moment of any call I've ever had. He was legitimately like not thrilled and I was loving it. Yeah, he seemed pretty caught off guard by that. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I was listening to it while I was driving. And later that night, I went back to YouTube to look and see what the deal was with his hair. Yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. I think that people were giving him a little bit too much shit. And maybe it got worse as the show went on. I think, I don't know who it was, said that the um, headphones might have made him look more like a cocktail. Yeah. I don't know. It was fine, Steve. You're, You're all right. It, like he talked about the uneven spots and there were, and people were saying like it, you know, like it looked like highlights, the uneven spots were catching the glare of the lights and it looked like bald spots almost or, or highlight spots. But Jason, I was, I thought it was great. I, I just, I finally got to give it back just a little bit and get under skin. Oh man, I was dying. Um, I, I don't watch very often. Yeah. Usually I save it so I can listen to it in the car, but of course I watched it. Um, Monday night. And, and I kept thinking, like, what is diff? What's with Steve's hair? There's something different there. Is it just because, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's like Cartman from South park when they show him without a hat <laughs> right. and maybe it's just like, maybe it's just cause he's not wearing a hat, but there's something weird going on there. And then the comments started happening. And to tell you the truth, I was just as thrown off by Michael Lindsay's hair. Um, oh yeah. That was bugging me just as much, if not more. 
But yeah, dude, when you called in, I was, I was just thinking to myself, please bring up his hair, yeah. please bring up his hair. And as soon as you said, uh, do we need to call Jilly? I just started dying. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. I don't think he caught on at first, but, um, okay. And I mentioned earlier that my second favorite audio of the night was the Le- Levi saying, like, I don't think your show can help me in that piece of audio was a little bitty clip that I bet I've listened to a thousand times. It, it just, I'm going to play it. I have it. Um, I have it. What's the word I'm looking for? Like on, on its own. I have it. Uh, I don't know. There's a word I'm looking for. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna play this piece of audio. Listen closely. I'll probably play it two or three times. I laugh out loud every time to his response, but it was more like, on. Oh wow. I didn't think it was that bad, but it was more like, on. Oh wow. I didn't think it was that bad. Like that moment where he realized, Oh wow. I cannot. That just cracks me up. I love it, dude. You got him. It was just that it was yeah. a situation where it was just like he wanted he wanted to have a comeback, right? Like usually Steve's got a comeback, and it's just like no, yeah. I surrender. I I got nothing. Yeah, Mason. Um, that was the moment where it set in. Like the whole time he's like, really? Like does it look bad? It just, oh, oh wow. <laughs> I've never heard the wind taken out of Steve's sails like it was there. I know. And I promise you, I sent that audio to Mark's. I sent a lot of good clips to Mark's. Uh, If you guys, anybody that's listening to this, you heard the intro. There's like two and a half minutes of clips. There's a bunch of good ones in there uh, that I think will be used. But the, oh, wow. God, that's my favorite. Like that made made everything all worth it. Uh, Jason, just the stuff we were just talking about. Why do you put up with this? That was all worth it. That's <laughs> a lifetime moment right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. couple more things. Um, with AC, when AC was on, they were talking about his teammate, Jason Anderson and Steve kind of, Steve kind of brought up the team fried and people thinking the vibe of him not caring. Uh, Jason, I really like, you know, AC kind of saying, hey, that, that kind of got stomped this year. Nobody could possibly think he doesn't work hard now. I think that's a that's a good topic to bring up because there are, I, I guarantee you, there's still people out there that think, oh, he's a pothead because of Team Fried. And like, I, I, I like AC kind of defending him. I like that Steve brought it up. Um, yeah, I think, I think Jason deserves a lot more respect than he's been given in the past. He's proved how much this season, he's proved how much he wants it. He's riding so damn good outdoors, which is not normal. And I, I like that AC kind of made that statement, you know, and I think maybe a few people that maybe had a different opinion of Jason after Adam says that maybe, maybe they change their opinion. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't, I've never really understood the team fried thing because it, to me, it's obvious you don't get to where he's at by not caring yeah. or by not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. He's, you know, a little loose with the attitude and, and, and loose on the track and, and all of that. But there's just no possible way he is where he is without, you know, putting in the work, yep. taking it seriously, doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, so it, it kind of boggles my mind that, that people, could truly believe that <laughs> sure you know that he's not taking it seriously or that maybe that's just an act or you know sells merch or whatever um but you know there are those people out there so i guess disability uh, island yes whatever yeah exactly exactly all right last topic this is gonna be for both you guys right now he asked who's your mxdn team we got michael Lindsay with jason anderson eli tomac chase sexton jt said justin cooper eli tomac chase sexton Mathis was Sexton, Eli Tomac, Barsha. 
Uh, and see Mathis even <laughs> his point was like, who who is uh, more losses, Barsha or Tomac? To which JT is like, uh, what point are you trying to prove here? <laughs> but and then he had the even the, the idea of like, well, don't you think if RJ was out there, he could go one one? You know, if I'm holding a rosary, the whole MXDN talk was fun. I just want to get your guys's pick. Uh, so Mason, I'll go to you first. I probably should have given you a heads up, but I didn't. So go with it. Uh, well, without any heads up, I think I'd go Jason Chase and Justin Cooper on a two fifty. Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, Mason, uh, Jason. You know, um, yeah, definitely on the spot. I I think we got to go Tomac right now. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I think would, that's fair. I would. Yeah, I would go Tomac Chase, and I don't understand the the animosity towards putting Craig on a two fifty. I don't either. Honestly, um, I think you put him on a star two fifty. I think he's going to go to Redbud and kick ass. Yeah. So it probably it probably makes more sense if if Justin Cooper stays healthy, you know, um, gets back up to speed. It, it probably makes more sense to do that, but. I don't understand the immediate no when I can't remember who it was who asked, but when you know when, when they said um, move Craig back to a 250, I do not understand the, that immediate uh, no. Yeah, that that was uh, that came as Steve said from Australian Nick. That's Nick still from Moto Limited over there. Um, he's okay. he's a okay. Christian Craig Homer. He's one of my buddies, but I, um, so shout out to Nick. He he usually used to help me out a lot with this wrap up show, but he's gotten a little bit busier. He does his own podcast and he's also. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but he's part of the uh, World Supercross stuff, so he's pretty busy right now. Um, but that was his. That was that had to be him when he said Australian Nick. That had to be Nick because he he would take Christian for everything. He's Christian's like his, you know, his his uh, man crush. So yeah, I'm not, I have a quick question. Yeah, was Eli not doing the designations because of Cowie or because of Eli? Um, they said because of Cowie because Cowie didn't want to do it. Uh, whether so did that's that close the door for Jason, then not with it being in, in, uh, the States. They, I don't think it was more, they didn't want to have to go overseas and deal with all that. I think with it being a red bud, they'd be fully open to it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go, uh, Jason Tomac and Cooper also Justin Cooper. I think Jay Coop deserves another shot at it. Uh, he was really good, you know, mine, you know, coming back after the, he crashed in that first turn, uh, you know, a couple years ago. So was that two years ago? I think it was, or was that last year? Two years ago, right? I don't remember, but yeah, I think I think it was two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that's that. That's my my team. Um, can yeah. Dungey race for Puerto Rico? I mean, I'm sure he can. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's going to be about it. I want to thank the sponsors again: Motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and of course Seal Savers, as well as all the other Pulpamex uh, sponsors, whether it be Race Tech, Firepower, Fly Racing, Maxima X Brand, Goggles, the Cherubies USA, Works Connection, Liat for the Rerasables, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All you got to do, for the most part, is go to PulpMixShow.com. There are icons for all the different sponsors with links, discount codes. You guys got to support those sponsors because the sponsor dollars help Steve do the show. Without the sponsor dollars, there probably is no show. So support those guys that support Pulp. Um, really appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, critiques, darkside at pulpmx.com. Uh, Mason, before I let you go, anything I missed that was important to you that stood out? No, I just hope uh, you remember me when you're at the top. I probably will. 
I probably will. Thank you. Yep. No problem. Jason, anything from you that I missed? Yeah, man. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be hanging on like Mason. You know, <laughs> don't, don't forget about me, buddy. <laughs> I will. I'm, I'm not that way. I mean, I'll rem- I'll bring everybody to the top except for Troy dog. Troy dog already is trying to steal Kyle Chisholm from me. And now he's trying to take my boy, Derek Kelly, Troy dog. You're on my shit list. I'm coming for you, buddy. No, not really. Um, other than that, guys, I guess that's it. That's a wrap. We are out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Sit and me.